What's happening? It's the Coach and the Culture podcast. We are back again. It's Sunday night, so you know what that means. It's time to recap the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, weekly games and talk a little bit about coaching and the culture of the Wolves and what type of basketball we are watching. Joined once again by Lance Gardner, my son. We might have to call this Coach Frank and son to be a subtitle. You with that? I like that. Yeah, you know, it's not not quite Sanford and son. I, <laughs> you know, I won't call you big dummy or nothing like that, you know. But uh, I like that, Coach Frank and son. We might have to like subtitle that. that. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. How you doing, Matt? I'm good. It's, it's, it's been a fun week of watching basketball. Work's been well. Um, got to see family over the week. So yes, sir. Thanksgiving time, holiday time of year. So uh, it's been a good week. I'm ready to go over some hoops with you, though, because I do look forward to it now. It's, it's become a routine. Well, here we are, live from the Dream Shop over off of 37th and Fremont, Minneapolis. Dream Shop Studios, we'll call it, for the, for the Coach and the Culture podcast. We got the super producer, Lloyd Leon Coop, over there looking real serious, y'all. He, if y'all could see how serious his brother look right now, he got his glasses on his forehead. He put them down when he need to see. <laughs> he put them back up. It's showtime. And uh, Lance, I got to ask you the most important question of the week. Mm-hmm. How many s'mores did you eat, man? Zero. You ate zero s'mores? I ate a whole lot of other stuff. I didn't find me some more. It was sweet. Yo, yams you made got the sweetness all up in me. Yeah, they, they, they were very decadent, weren't they? Although, you know, Judith, the sugar addict, she took what little bit of leftovers. It was about this much leftovers. She took them uh, to her dorm, and her, she said her roommate said that they were fired. I believe it. I believe it. You need all that sugar when you're in college. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, my man, the Timberwolves, four and one on the road trip, uh, three and one on the week. And it wasn't always pretty, but they took care of business. And I was watching Coach Chris Finch's inter, uh, postgame interview from last night. And right about now, it's hard to tell if they won a game or lost a game. He's staying pretty, pretty level-headed, pretty straightforward about it. They haven't really, you know – Outside of the second half of the Atlanta game, I don't think they've lost a game where they've played horrible for lack of focus necessarily all the way through. Um, so I don't think he has a whole lot to be disappointed about because I think they know what their benchmark is. And so if they don't play to their own standard, you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, damn, we didn't do what we're supposed to do, so we got what we're supposed to get. Exactly. Um before we hop into the Wolves, yes, sir. Um, I want to, uh, we, we got some advice from Lloyd talking about giving out some information on what's going on in the community. Okay. Um, and he had just informed me that um, on Friday nights at the Huge Theater um, on Lindale. They hold, hold on, hold on. Well, huge or Hughes? Huge, that's huge. I right? said H-U-G-E. It's a huge theater. Huge theater. All right. On Lindale. On Lindale. Um Every Friday night at 7 o'clock um, until the end of the year, Christmas time, um, they are doing unscripted Shakespeare improv. Um, and it's all black cast. Um, so we're going to, you know, as we get into this routine of posting every week, um, we're going to start shouting out some stuff that's going on in the community so we can get some more um, involvement um, and let, let the viewers know, you know, what they can go do on a Friday night that's not going to the club. Some outside the box yeah. stuff. Give them something to do. Like Andre 3000's album, Outside yeah. the Box. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we go give us some flute music to go check out. Yeah. I, it, I look, 
Unscripted Shakespeare Improv. That sounds fun. Podcast sounds very entertaining and something that I've never even thought existed. That sounds fun. I want to go. I want to figure out how to get in that cast. I think I would love to do Unscripted Shakespeare. When I was over in the UK, I saw uh, Drunken Shakespeare during the during the French Festival over in Edinburgh last summer, and it was funny. Yeah. It was hilarious. Was yeah. So Unscripted Shakespeare with. With with a bunch of brothers and sisters that's in brothers. Minnesota. Oh my goodness! In Minnesota, that, oh my goodness! If they add some drinking to that, can you imagine <laughs> unscripted drunken Shakespeare? <laughs> I'm sure it will be. I got a feeling. Go circuit to that crew. There's an idea for you, right? Um, and then uh, you know we're we're starting to get on a little bit of a script and an outline here. So I want well, not a script, but more so of an outline. You mean tell me? So what you're saying to the audience is that we're actually beginning to prep for shows? Yeah. How dare us? How dare us? How dare us? Yeah. Really, what it is is we're at the dream shop, so we're being held accountable to a time <laughs> limit of when we need to be out here. So yeah, we had to get organized. Okay. So with that, <laughs> um, what we're going to be talking about going over tonight. Um, a lot of basketball, as you were mentioning before, I kind of re- reverted there. Yes, sir. Um, they played the Warriors twice on a back-to-back, N- not nights, but stayed in uh, stayed in two times in a row in Cali. Yeah, played them back-to-back. Then they went and played the Suns on the second half of that back-to-back, um, and then ended that road uh, that road with the with the Pelicans. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about those four games and what we learned from that. Um, I also want to give Cat uh, some credit and talk about how he's really been dominating the floor as of late. Um, and then talking about, I have a, you know, I, as you being a coach, as all the viewers should know by now, um, I want to ask you kind of if you were in Chris Finch's seat right now, what would you be focusing on in a practice? Um, you know, like you were saying, they don't get to practice a ton, but when you do practice, what would, what did you see on something that they should be emphasizing right now to make sure that these wins continue? Um, and then last week we brought back the uh, concerns. Concerning trends. Hope it, Hope never, it never ends. Um, so we'll yes. revisit that and talk about a couple of things that we uh, feel like we saw growth in and maybe are still some concerns. Um, so that. It's kind of what we'll be talking about tonight, um, and to, to 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 kick it all off, we've got the two Warriors games um, to start the road trip. Uh, they won both of them in very different fashion. So, you know, the Warriors obviously having almost two completely different teams on the floor in those two games. Um, but starting with the first game, uh, they help me out here. They, as in the Timberwolves? The Timberwolves. Um, they won. <laughs> um, and, and, and they did a lot of running to do it. Uh, Chris Finch talked about, you know, when you're guarding Golden State, you know, the key words, chase. Mm-hmm. And they took, I think, a lot of the same energy that they took into the Celtics game. I think they took it as a statement game. Grad Golden State was coming um, back home on the second half of a back-to-back. And we talked about it off off uh, podcast and probably we'll talk about it a little bit more later in the podcast. But if you are serious about finishing in the upper echelon of the Western Conference, um, you have to take advantage of teams when you have any advantage whatsoever, whether that's talent advantage, rest advantage, uh, strategic advantage, um, uh, if, if stylistically, you know, you give a team problems, if you're healthier, 
whatever the case may be, you have to take advantage of those games and try to stack every win that you can and go to state. You know, in that first game, they played all of their guys uh, and the Wolves defense was just uh, suffocating in the way that they were dictating to Golden State. Mm -hmm. And about the only person that they couldn't dictate to was the guy that nobody can dictate to. Uh, I'll say again, Kobe Bryant said about <laughs> Stephen Curry, um, what do you do when the shot that you are forcing them to take is the shot that they are comfortable taking? That's the Curry riddle. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, he scored one of the most impressive 38 points I've ever seen. Um, but the defense was there across the board. And so while he did what he does, um, Clay, who's a shell of himself, um, Wiggins, who, you know, seems like he's got other stuff going on in basketball carrying over from last year. Um, you know, if those two guys don't get off when you play Golden State and you don't allow somebody unexpected to get off coming off the bench right now, they're very vulnerable. And that's why they're on a six-game losing streak. Mm -hmm. um, but Golden State wanted that game. And, and the Wolves had to go get it. Yeah, they did. And kind of going back to what you said about all the advantages, you know, I remember Chris Finch uh, during the offseason was doing a press conference and was mentioning how, you know, the fact that the Wolves have their returning roster yes. basically from last year. You know, he said to start the season, if you can get those extra seven, eight, nine games Watch. to go in your favor towards the end of the year, that, that, you know, that's a huge help. This time of year, everyone's trying to figure out how to gel and, and play together while the Wolves kind of got to step up on that. And what he was saying then is seems to be coming to light. They're getting these extra games because while other teams are trying to figure it out, um, the Wolves got a head start. Absolutely. I think that's a great um, uh, thing to bring up to remember uh, from this summer because, you know, he was, you know, him and I think um, uh, the, the whole organization were, you know, Tim Connolly and the organization were banking on continuity uh, giving them a head start. And even though you can see they're still trying to figure some things out, um, and you can see the things that they are figuring out happen right in front of our eyes, um, I think the fact that they had the feeling that they had playing against Denver in the playoffs last year, feeling like they were probably as successful as anybody um, in a playoff style of game against the eventual world champions um, and kind of role definition to a certain extent, I think Cat took some time to figure out how to play in that role, but I think the role definition was there. Um, and, and yeah, you're looking at a team that, as we stand, is first place in the Western Conference uh, and having played a really tough schedule. I mean, my goodness, they beat Boston. They've beaten Golden State twice. They beat um, Denver. Denver. Um, you know, those are they've beaten the Pelicans twice. Granted, both times without Zion, we'll take that because they're a very different team with Zion play. So, again, you have to get those wins. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've, you know, talked about they are now the team that there's games on the schedule like the Pelicans without their starters, like the Warriors without their starters getting ejected in the first uh, two minutes of the game. Yeah. And like the Spurs, those are games that, you know, we look at the Wolves as a team now, they should win those games and they need to win those games if they want to get, you know, them high seeds coming come playoff time. Miami against without Jimmy Butler. Yep. You got to take those wins when you can get them. And that, you know, that that's one thing that the Wolves have, have had and that we just listed off four other teams that didn't have and they've right. been healthy and had everyone to play in each one of these right. games, which is, you know, 
I hope that continues. We'll talk about that later. Right. Um, that's huge to have your, your starting five and your rotation guys there every single night. Well, I think we wanted to know what this team would look like if they were healthy. And right now they look like the number one team in the Western Conference. You know, now, granted, um, they haven't played a lot of teams at full strength, but they played Boston at pretty much full strength um, and went toe-to-toe with the the projected Eastern Conference favorites, you know, along with Milwaukee maybe and, and Philly in there somewhere, and came out ahead. Yeah. So the Warriors gave one. We chased Steph around, and he got off his points. But, um, you know, you were talking about how the Warriors are one of the hardest teams to defend because you're constantly chasing people yes. around and you're running and you're exerting yes. energy. And they had just played Boston um, and then and then San Antonio. Um, so that Boston game took a lot of energy out of them. And then they went to San Antonio and took care of business. And then, they're you know, mind you, they're still on the road in that San Antonio game. Um, and then they come to Golden State. And mind you that, you know, for whatever it's worth, I believe that was a in-season tournament game and their first time seeing women, Yaba. And, and so there was, you know, in San Antonio, I think, you know, had, had a lot to ride on. You know, I think there's a little brewing controversy between Vassell and Jaden McDaniels because their contracts were very similar, but the Wolves gave McDaniels just a smidgen more value on defense over offense. And yep. I think Vassell took that personally yep. a little bit. So, you know, there, it wasn't like the San Antonio game was a wash. And that first game of a long road trip, um, especially when you've been at home for a really long time, can be difficult because you got to find a groove now and outside of your the routine that you've had when you've had a five-game homestand, right. four-game homestand, whatever it was. So Spurs to the Warriors, they get that game running around, and my, I, I know they're tired at this point. I mean, you, you've yes, it's the beginning of the year. You might have a little extra energy because the season just started, um, but Spurs, Warriors, and then you have to go play the Warriors again. We now have a little time to um, play some adjustments and game plan for you, and it's always harder to play a team you know, back to back for that reason, because nobody wants to lose twice in their own building, especially not a team as prideful, uh, organization as prideful as Golden State. Right. Um, so you get to that second Warriors game, and you know you're dealing with a possibly fatigued team, and um, then the choke slayer, the, the 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 headlock happens, and the, the jerseys are getting ripped, and two minutes into the game, Clay and Draymond are both ejected. Um, McDaniel's is ejected, your best defensive player. Um, and the Warriors gave the Timberwolves everything that they had. Them, them young dudes. And it's funny because I was watching, uh, I was watching the first Warriors post game, and Draymond was talking, and he was saying how you know they feel very confident in their young players. I mm-hmm. mean, um, you know, the the media was asking, you know, do you guys feel confident? But are they going to touch the floor because you know something? You know, you guys aren't doing much scoring right now. You got you guys might need a little shakeup and. He's like, he's like, you know, you know, they've been doing what they can do. You know, they said they've been patient. There's, it's not how this this league works, where right. you just have a, you know, a quick spurt and you're looking good. That all of a sudden you just take these three time championship guys' spot. Right. Um, and, yeah, he's right. Yep. And so he, you know, he was very honest with them, but also saying, you know, don't expect them to touch the floor right now. You know, this isn't. At least not for major minutes. Right. The NBA is a league of opportunity. And the thing is, you have to be professional and be ready for your opportunity when you're a young guy and take advantage of your opportunity when it comes. And so that's that's the funny part, because he's saying that. And then 
And what do you know, the next game, him and Clay are both gone. And so now their opportunity just happened to be right right next door. You're not saying that if, that Draymond premeditated putting somebody Look. in a chokehold two days before the game, are you? Look. Yeah, you know what? I think next game we're going to get in there shot. Let me get up out of here. <laughs> it, it, it was, it's a coincidence for sure. Now, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. But, uh, yeah, they – so they – you know, they the Warriors gave them everything they had. And as a player, one of the hardest things, you know, the Wolves, I feel like, have a more talented team than what the Warriors were able to put out there that night. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest thing that I've learned in my time playing is that when you don't have a scouting report for anybody, you're kind of going out there blind and mm-hmm. defensively, you don't know whether you're supposed to go close out on that shot or just how far you need to go because they're mm-hmm. a school shooter or how quick they are. And so um, the Warriors put in a couple of players and I don't want to even try to pronounce the one young man's name. Pod, pod, pod. Yeah. Um, but I'm not good with them Eastern European names. <laughs> But the, again, the Wolves found another way to win, and Cat uh, Cat was the dominant force in that game, and um, Ant was a little a little off. Um, but I think that, and we'll talk about Cat and what he's done over that this entire stretch. But um, that was the first game where he kind of put the team on his back when when it was needed. Yeah, I I want to push back a little bit on the not having the scouting report thing. I, I do think that's a factor, but I also think that. Um, when the Wolves really kicked off their winning streak and, and the Boston game um, was really kind of the, the the seal of approval of kind of, okay, what does this look like when everybody's locked in? Well, one, over the course of 82 games, it's hard to be locked in every game. Um, and two, when you're locked in defensively to the level that they have been at times this season, that's not just a lot of physical effort. You know, we talk about looking at a team play defense and you can tell by how hard they're playing, but that's also a lot of mental effort. Um, you look fast and you look physical on defense when you're playing with anticipation. And playing with anticipation, it seems like it should just be a no-brainer for a basketball player, especially NBA players, but they're comfortable playing NBA basketball games. And so when that's your comfort zone, uh, playing with purposed anticipation is not always as, you know, no-brainer as you might think it would be as as, as a fan. Um, that type of laser focus takes a lot of energy out of you. And Golden State makes you play with that type of laser focus. And then no matter who's in the game, they make you chase them. When the Wolves were on their ball, they were dictating defensively. They were up into ball handlers. They were up into cuts. They were up into people's bodies. They were meeting people at half court. Nothing was easy. Every movement came with difficulty for an opponent. And you started to see a little bit of slippage. You know, you saw it in the set. You saw it in the Pelicans game at, at in early. You started to see it a little bit. You saw it a little bit in the San Antonio game. Um, the first Warriors game was another really locked in defensive performance. Um, and so there may have been a little bit of a that. Now, also, I would say that Rudy is probably their well, in a lot of ways, Ant kind of sets the tone, but Rudy's their most important defensive player in terms of um, his energy and his mobility, right? When he's energized and he's moving and he's locked in, it, it absolutely kind of sets all the other chess pieces in place. I think it took Rudy, 
I don't ever think he really recovered from the fight incident. Um, he made the great block in the corner um, on Sarge, and, and, and really it's been talked about often, and Rudy talked about it, how he really set up Chris Paul to you know make that pass. Again, playing with anticipation. I'm playing ahead of the game. I know what he's gonna do, so I'm gonna lead him into thinking that I know what he's gonna do, so that he does what I want. You know, it's the I know that you know that I know that you know game. That's playing with anticipation. That's a lot of mental exhaustion. Yep. Um, but if you looked at him throughout that game, you could tell that he was a little shook up, and that's just natural. And I don't mean shook up like he was like Draymond intimidated him or anything, but that's just natural when you're in a fight or flight, you know, survival mode. And then you got to go back to playing a basketball game. And then as a team, I think Golden State's players just really play with a lot of energy and intensity. And as a Wolves team, I think that was just hard to match for all kinds of reasons. Like what you talked about, the fact that these guys don't play as many minutes, so they on fresh legs. Um, you know, just there's a lot of factors, but like you said, the fact that they found a way to win that game, that Cat made big shots and big plays, but really not just Cat, you know, that whole unit, you know, that whole starting five unit down the stretch of that game took their turns making a big play, whether it was Kyle's rebound, Rudy's block, Kyle's three, you know, Ant's three, you know, the Cat's three, the extra pass. They just all made winning plays down the stretch um, and got stops. They found it when they had to. Which is a trend. They've been (laughs) winning plays and getting stops has got them to this point. I mean, they've made a lot of winning plays, a lot of extra passes for knockdown threes when they need them. Yeah. Um, And and, and I agree that it continued in that game. Um, And then, you know, when when a a young player that is confident in themselves gets that opportunity, they're going to all out. I mean, they're giving you everything they have. Um, to to show themselves in this league because they're trying to make as much money as possible while doing this. And so if you let the, let them out uh, out the cage, they're going to give you everything they got, and that's exactly what happened. Um, and Golden State's a prideful organization. Like, you know, they, they, they feel like if they don't go out there and win a game, they're letting Clay down, they're letting Draymond down, they're letting Steph down. They have, you know, they're on a losing streak. They're, and they're on a home losing streak. When you ever hear, hear somebody right. speak of <laughs> Golden State in terms of a home losing streak, uh, and you're playing a team that just beat you, right. you know. So those guys, there's a lot of motivation for Golden State's players. And um, so the Wolves, let's just call it what it is. They're at the status where they're going to be getting haymakers. Other teams, no matter who they put on the floor, are coming out trying to knock them out. They they are putting themselves in a position to be the hunted and not the hunters. They have to keep a hunter's mentality because they haven't done anything. I think that's where you get Chris Finch just being so – even kill and just steady and and people so funny to hit like all of us pro Chris Finch people we're living in our moment right now you know they're five and one in clutch games this season you know all all of the Chris Finch critics Mm -hmm. you know um are real quiet lately and all of us pro Chris Finch people are like yeah because we know ball Right. <laughs> yeah, at the time, I, I, I personally, you know, a lot of people don't like his timeouts when you know, they're, they're questionable yeah. timing. Hogwash. Um, but <laughs> it's not too often you see, you know, he'll call a timeout, and I wouldn't say in the middle of a run, but like like I said, there are little obscure times when he calls his timeouts, but I like them because it forces you to get regathered and regroup. Um, and we know the Wolves are a relatively young team, and so. I, I like I like his timeouts. A lot of people don't like him. I personally do. Um, 
So we got the back-to-back -back with the Warriors, um, who, like we've mentioned multiple times, run the mess out of you. And then the next night after that gutted out win, um, you go play the Phoenix Suns. With a healthy Devin Booker who's been chomping at the bit. And, again, Hunter mentality, Phoenix Suns is, is hunting you, you know, um, for all kinds of reasons. They're also just hunting their own rhythm because they're starting off slow with their injuries and people in and out of the lineup. And, I, you know, I'm sure Phoenix is looking at this as a get healthy situation because nobody knows how difficult it is to play Golden State than somebody that's in their division. Right. And they uh, they had just had a three-day three day break, too. Yeah. So, so they're healthy. They're, they watched tape. They was practicing. They got to relax. And they got healthy a little bit. Yep. They're chomping at the so, bit. You know, we, me and you were texting and <laughs> – you know, we were like, this is going to be a tough one. And you're like, yeah, these are one of these just scheduled losses, yeah. right? Where, you know, you we just expressed and explained everything that they had done for the past three games. Mm -hmm. And even before that, starting really with Boston. Um, and yeah, I mean, they came in on a, what, seven, eight game winning streak? Yep. And so you go into this, this Phoenix Suns game and you were just listing off the stats and, you know, statistically it didn't look like a bad game, but if you were watching the game, you knew from the jump, from the tip off that they were in trouble. Um, Phoenix just had way more energy than they did. Uh, they were, you know, statistically the one that stuck out the most, if you're just looking at the stats, is that they shot, I think you said about 50-something percent from three? Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, Phoenix, I believe, was 55% from the three-point line. 55% from the three-point line on 31 attempts. So 37. they were 37. So they were shooting them, and they were making them, and a lot of the reason why they were making them is because those closeouts— I'm sorry, 31, you were right. 31? Yeah. So 31 attempts, so they made, what, 17? Yeah. 17 for 31, so— um, and you know, in the NBA, if you're getting open three pointers, it's, you can shoot 55 percent. A lot of them were three. very open, right? Uh, very open because legs and and just energy after playing all those games and fighting to win those games. Those closeouts are slower. Those closeouts are a little more delayed, and so you're leaving wide open three pointers. And so statistically, they played okay, but if you watch the game, you could just tell that their legs weren't there and. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't just roll over. And we talked about the fact that the starters did come back in in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, they didn't take the fourth quarter off. And, and you were saying kind of how you felt like that was more so just a mindset thing of, you know, we were young and we haven't really done much yet. And so we haven't earned or, you know, you really, according to what you were saying, the way you really earn a fourth quarter off is by winning a championship and then get to the Western Conference Finals, win, it, win a championship, or be a team that you've done it so there's no doubt what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And the Wolves haven't done it yet, and I think Chris Finch is just holding the team accountable to that. And, it, you know, we, we already mentioned it. I can't think of a worse team in the league, again, to play – uh, two games in a row against mm -hmm. on the road than Golden State just because of the mental and physical energy that it takes to play them. Then the second game, you got the brawl, which is even more mentally taxing, and then you're chasing these fresh legs around, so that's physically taxing because they're still in their system. And then you got to go to Phoenix. And, and I'm also going to add this caveat. Anthony Edwards has a Devin Booker problem. He just does. Devin Booker kills Anthony Edwards. Devin Booker kills the Wolves. Devin Booker kills a lot of people. <laughs> but Devin Booker kills Anthony Edwards and 
one of the reasons why I think that he kills Anthony Edwards is because of a flaw in Anthony Edwards' game. He's not a perfect player, believe it or not. People, he has a flaw or two. He's working on. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but we talked about it off air. Anthony Edwards has the tendency to play defense trying to get steals. He plays, he's a great on-ball defender, but his mindset when he's guarding on the ball in isolation is always, how can I steal this ball from my opponent? Because of that, and this is something I've been saying for a while, and it's not really a secret, he can be awful at navigating screen and roll game. Awful at it. Devin Booker is a absolute assassin in screen and roll game because of his ability to shoot the mid-range game, his ability to get all the way to the basket, and his ability to pull up and shoot the three with Reg. I mean, and he's also very physically strong. He's a physically strong. He's what Jamal Murray would be if Jamal Murray was an inch taller and, you know, five to ten pounds heavier in muscle, right? And when you're trying to time the basketball and get steals, one, you turn off your awareness of what's really going on around you, and two, you end up kind of flat-footed as you try to anticipate and time the movement. Well, when you're doing that, you're susceptible to getting hit square with screens. You're not pushing up into the ball handler and forcing him to retreat dribble as the screens come in. You're not forcing him out higher on the floor, which forces the screen higher out on the floor to give you a little bit more decision-making if you can go under and, and skinny under and get to the other side or go over the top and push him downhill. Um, and so Anthony Edwards, especially on dead legs, was just getting hammered with screen after screen after screen, and Devin Booker was lighting their ass up from the go and just never stopped. And eventually Kevin Durant found his rhythm, but Devin Booker was the real problem, and he's been a real problem. Every time they play the Timberwolves in close circuit to Anthony Edwards, do that is not the player to try to time the dribble against. You got to keep pushing up in the hill when them screens are coming, or he's going to keep eating your lunch. <laughs> well, that's, that's some advice. So when he sees it and does what he wants with it. I mean, but go back and watch the video. Every time they set a screen on him, he's getting caught flush. And most of the time, his feet are flat-footed. And Devin Booker is comfortable going where he wants to go into the screen. He's not being pushed um, diagonal backward. He's not being pushed to retreat dribble. He's just snaking around that screen, and then everybody's dead. <laughs> he is an assassin, like you guys stated. Um, and so, you know, on top of Anthony Edwards' dead leg and dead legs, um, and Devin Booker. Um, yeah, because he has problems with Devin Booker when he's fresh. Right. Um, <laughs> so. But just the, the team as a whole, um, yeah. again, you're not going to win every single game. Nope. It's, it's impossible. It's never been done and probably never will be. Um, and they have been working their tail off, and they have done a lot of great things. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're going to lose a game every once in a while, especially against one of the, you know, top three players in all of basketball on the same team. So the coach wasn't trying to hear that, and I'm with it. Yep. As a coach, I'm with Chris Finch. Uh, they've been they've blown some late fourth quarter leads. Let's throw you guys back out there with seven minutes to go and see if you can make it run. Mm -hmm. uh, they couldn't, <laughs> you know. But, and I don't know if it was for lack of trying. I just think that you know, look, I'm 50. I know what it's like when your mind says go and your body says no. <laughs> I get it. I was surprised that Mike Conley was even playing, and I had talked to you about that, saying you know 
if he plays, it's going to be very limited minutes. Right. He's, he said, he's up there. He, you know, he's given everything he got. And I think he still only played about 22 minutes. But um, start the game, he was out there. He was strapped up, ready to go. Well, and I, and I think, you know, I think him and Chris Finch, yeah, yeah, I think him and Chris Finch are locking step on, you know, we, we, we think we have enough talent to win a championship or get to a championship game. We – we have not done it, and we have a long, a long way to go. And, you know, Mike Connolly is the head coach on the floor. So if the head coach is playing this guy as the head coach on the floor, is like, coach, I'm going to play. Now we'll see what happens, you know, when they have a back-to-back 40, 50 games in. Will Mike Connolly play on the second half of a back-to-back? But I think right now um, the same reason they were back in the game down dang near 30 against Phoenix in the fourth quarter is the same reason they were in the game at home uh, against the Pelicans up 20 in the fourth quarter. Yep. Um, so the Suns, we take that L, um, but we, we just explained a lot that came with that. Um, and then uh, last night, they played the Pelicans on their last their last away game before they get to come home and get a get a nice little, what was it, I think they get two days off. Yeah. They're back here at home. Um, and another way, you know, another game that they found a way to win. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't pretty um, at all until about what seven minutes ago in the fourth quarter, yeah. and they just turned on a switch. Is what it looked like because um, they they did to other teams what we have watched other teams do to the Wolves for man a, a decade and a half, <laughs> twenty twenty plus years. Yep, and this it was we know the feeling and it feels way oh, too well. You know, <laughs> It's not something that, you know, as a player, you want to get accustomed to. You don't want to have to win games like that. You don't want to put yourself in that position. But it is a great feeling. I've only been there a couple times when you have a group around you where you're like, all right, y'all, like, it's now or never. And that now actually is good enough to come out ahead on top. Yeah. Now, I feel like every week, or about every three games or so now, we're saying, I think this was the Wolves' most impressive win of the season, right? I think this was the Wolves, you know, Boston, I think this is the Wolves' most impressive win of the season. Uh, you know, uh, San Antonio game, I think this is one of the Wolves' more impressive wins of the season because of how much they struggled and stick, stuck with it and made plays at the end. And then, and then you know, the first Golden State game and then the second Golden State game because of the adversity. And then, you know, to to – to come back uh, in that Pelicans game in which it looked like they were dead in the water on the road. Um, again, a four and one road trip sounds real sweet. Man. Three and two doesn't sound bad if you're two and two going into the last game and you win. When you start off the road trip three and oh, all of a sudden three and two just doesn't feel very good because um, you're coming off a two game losing streak. And so, um, and then also, it, it, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of difference, uh, I felt like, between how they played the first three-plus quarters against the Pelicans and how they played against Phoenix, except for they weren't playing Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Right. You know, and so, and so, you know, but also because they weren't playing Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, they had an opportunity uh, in the fourth quarter because they were close enough this time, and I think, you know, that was – that was the motivation uh, to be like, all right, we can get this game. We're, we're within striking distance. It's go time. Let's go. Let's turn up the defense. And uh, and Cat has been all NBA Cat uh, 
for quite a few games in a row now. Four of them. Um, you know, I was going to save this for when we talk about Cass specifically, but um, over the last four games, he's averaging 27 points, nine and a half rebounds, and four assists. Um, and that, to me, sounds like the cat that the Wolves need to be that championship caliber team because if Ant puts up his numbers, which he's been a little inconsistent over the same four-game stretch, mm-hmm. um, if you put those numbers that I just named off for Cat next to an Ant that becomes consistent and those two are averaging between 25 and 30 points a game each and Cat's got 10 rebounds and Ant's got seven assists in there, mm-hmm. somewhere in those numbers, I mean, that's with all the other pieces they have surrounded by them. So Cat's playing the way that we need Cat to play right now to be a championship-caliber team. Um, and it's, you know, it, it just as much as Ant carried us to start the year, Cat's now kind of putting the team on his back, and he's doing it, um, and, and and not in a forceful way. He's not forcing his twenty-seven, nine, and four. He's just when the when the ball comes his way, and he knows he has a mismatch, and he has confidence in himself, and he's going to attack. But he's not jacking up threes and shooting the ball, you know, thirty times a game to get his points. And so, um, you know, they're they're shot taking. Um, the amount of shots that they're taking should, you know, is fitting into where they need to be. It's just that now we need them to both do it together at the same time. Uh, and I, I think there'll be games like that, and hopefully those are the games that you have against the Bostons and the Philadelphias when they're healthy, the Phoenixes, maybe in the rematch if everybody's healthy. Um, and you hope that that's what the case is during the playoffs. But um, – those two are starting to learn how to give each other space and how to complement one another and who's got it going on a given night. And I think that's as important as anything. You know, um, it has been cat the last few games. Ants kind of come back to earth a little bit. Um, again, it's an 82 game season. We're 12 games in. Um, the advantage that you have if you're the Timberwolves is an off game for Ant is 20. And if we can play through Cat, we can get 29 to 30 out of him. And an off game for Cat is, you know, 15 to 20. But Ant's going to give you 30 to 35. Yeah. And, and you know, Rudy, I think, has to be consistent. And so you're starting to see something happen offensively with this team where they're giving each other game space where, you know, Cat may have a 10-point quarter. Ant may be a little bit quiet. Then Ant has a 12-point quarter. Cat's a little bit quiet. So they're starting to give each other game space. They're starting to give each other floor space. You're starting to see some really nice passing between Cat and Ant. You're starting to see some really nice passing between Cat and Rudy. You're seeing some really nice passing between Ant and Rudy. You're seeing Ant, you know, making some nice passes to Cat. So that trust is starting to come. Uh, you know, one of the seminal moments of last night is you get good ball movement. The ball swings the Cat at the top who's got it rolling all night long and he does a beautiful uh uh shot fake no look pass uh you know all in one motion he he's looking at the rim he brings his hands up like he's gonna shoot and then without looking he just kicks it off to ant who's even more wide open and you know i don't know that last year that pass gets made i don't know that earlier this year even that pass gets made so i think that is growth that you see Along the way, uh, they're starting to look for each other and know where each other's going to be at on the floor. And then the same is happening with Rudy. You're seeing Cap throwing lobs to Rudy off the off the attack. You're seeing Ant throwing lobs to Rudy. You're seeing Cat learn how to play against smaller players. Mm. And, you know, you start looking at their weaknesses. 
And if Cat learns how to play against smaller players using his skill, you know, I, I have, had uh, tweeted to Steve Jones Jr. from uh, the uh, the Dunker Spot podcast, and I tweeted to him because he pulled out a play in which Cat was uh, trying to get good low post uh, um, position. And I think Chris Paul came down and stripped him, and Cat was being guarded by a small. But he got the ball like eight to ten feet from the basket in the first place. And I just I immediately had Kevin McHale vision in my head. He just gives you a little shoulder fake and he just raises the ball over his head and shoots it right over the top of a smaller player because what are they going to do? And, you know, where Cat barrels in, tries to power dribble in, he gets strict playing in traffic and it's a turnover going the other way. And, and I just, you know, tweeted to Steve Jones, like, how much more close, how much closer do you need to be? Or, you know, you're the self-proclaimed greatest shooting big man ever. Just turn and shoot over the top of the little dude. You don't need to even take a dribble. Right. Just turn and shoot. Yeah. You know, and 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 you're starting to see, you know, more and more, he's not fighting the small. He's just jab, step, jab, step, shot. Yep. Turn and shoot. One dribble and shoot. There's nothing you can do. Um, and even last night on the game-winning shot, you know, and he mentioned they were loading up for him to go right. They're waiting for him to hook. They're waiting for him to do something out of control. And he goes with my favorite step personally as a player, crossover step. Shout outs to Leroy Gardner Senior Pops. I love you for teaching me that. Uh, and shout out to Lou Hudson because he said Lou Hudson is who taught it to him. You know, and shout out to Kobe and shout out to Mike because he used it. You know, the great ones use jabs, you know, first step, uh, rocker step, crossover step sequence. And, jab, and, you know, Cat goes crossover step and makes a really difficult shot. I don't care. Anybody who's ever played even guard, you know, going left, taking a bump, floating away from the basket, coming back across, you know, coming back across your momentum to the right hand with the touch to kiss it softly off the glass. I mean, that's a, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a max salary shot right there. That is not an easy shot. If you think it is, go try it. <laughs> you know? Does that make it look easy? Yeah, go go go. See how many you make out of ten. Make sure you put a you know put put a stanchion or something there till you can bump bounce off of, so you're falling away properly. Um, you know, but the way Cat dissected the play, read the floor, um, the fact they went one four flat. You know, really in the odd one four flat. If you look, they had three players on the same on that left side of the floor, and Cat still went left. Um, that was just a lot of impressive stuff. But the fact that they went, you know, one four flat, I thought that was a, a brilliant piece of coaching got by Chris Finch. Knowing Cat's going to be guarded by a smaller player, um, that they have to respect the fact that he he's you know nine to ten, he can just jab step and shoot over him. Mm-hmm. So now they got to press up. And kudos to Cat for going finesse and and being a skilled big man and not trying to prove something. Yeah, and it you know watching him. First step for me is just seeing him get into the post. Um, I mean, for the past few years, I'm just, you know, when they played Memphis uh, last year, uh, they um, he was getting guarded by Dylan Brooks. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, Cat, you're a seven-footer. Mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks is, what, 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, mm-hmm. He's not that tall. Mm-hmm. And I just could never wrap my head around the fact that why are you not posting up? And I don't think I was alone in that. I think it was talked about quite a bit when you just look at the size difference. I'm just like, why? Like, are you, you can't. And, and, you know, Kat's lower body has always been something where he just isn't. He has no hips. Right. He doesn't <laughs> drop his, he doesn't drop down. He doesn't use 
he don't have him beats, but he doesn't use his lower body. Um, and now seeing that, you know, yes, he's not getting guys on the block posted up, but he's at least turning his body back to the basket um, and, and feeling a little more comfortable um, posting up. And again, he's not on the block, but like you're saying, he doesn't need to be because he's not playing the five. If, if you can get within 10 feet of the basket with your back to it, um, and he's done a lot better job of reading the defense as well. Um, but I love, I love seeing Cat turn his back to the basket and, and and wait for that ball. He's a problem at the nail. He's a he's a legit problem at the nail. Anywhere in the mid post area from twelve to fifteen feet, where he's one step away from being at the rim, um, is a problem. I you know I've been telling people for the longest time the reason you don't see more bigger players posting up smaller players has more to do with officiating than anything else. Uh, they allow smaller players to just abuse big players. And then it really, I, I, it's kind of unfair because it's a no-win situation if you're a big. You're getting hammered before you catch the ball. You're getting hammered when you catch the ball. You're getting hammered as you shoot. You miss a five-foot shot over a guy who's six-foot-five, and now everybody tells you you're a scrub. <laughs> and none of the people telling you are a scrub are over six-foot-four. Or <laughs> right, or and and ever knowing what it's like to be seven feet tall and have somebody in your lower legs, legs, and in your back all the time. That's fair. Um, and so, but what you're starting to see him do, which has always been the answer for him, is he's really buying into just being skilled. And I think Chris Finch, again, coaching, has always asked him to not worry about the reputation and just be skilled. There's nothing wrong with being some hybrid of yourself and Dirk Nowitzki where Dirk wouldn't do all of that with you right he would just get you to the free throw line and turn around and shoot over right. it. you know and you're starting to see Cat do that more in his own way jab step shot catch the ball at the nail jab step one leg fade away jab step shot uh, to the point where now he's one dribble but instead of that second dribble where he's throwing the elbow around and hooking and you know trying to get all the way to the basket He's taking that one dribble and getting off of it, hitting the open man. He's taking that one dribble and, you know, as, as you saw uh, last night, you know, going, turning down the right hand, fight and going left and, and taking shots that are really predicated on skill and touch, which is what separates him uh, as opposed to trying to just use brute force. And the more he does that and the more belief and confidence he gets in that, the more of a problem he's going to be. And, you know, we talked about it. Teams are not double teaming him or they haven't been this season. Like they have in the past, they've chosen to load up on Ant. You have to bracket Rudy when he rolls or when he dives. You have to have a man in front of him being physical with him. And you got to have a man behind him proud of the space so he doesn't feel like he can elevate. And so what you're getting is Cat one-on-one because you can't, there's only five guys on the floor. You can't double team Rudy on the dive, and you can't double team in, in, in the gaps. And Cats play against smaller players, and teams are willing to live with that because Cat was struggling. Well, now Cat's starting to find the solution against smaller players, and along with help from Chris Fitch, putting it in, in motion so that he's not catching the ball after having to battle somebody for five seconds. Yeah. You know, he's catching the ball in motion, um, and you know, they put up 121 points to win that game against New Orleans in a game where they didn't get stops for three and a half quarters. Right. And, yeah, you, you mentioned the the elbow, the reach around, the wrap around, the chicken arm, whatever you want to call it. 
uh, he has had to have made a conscious effort to get rid of that because he talked about it in his press conference. That he talked about it. a little bit because it's very clear and evident that he is keeping his arm in when he's drunk. He he mentioned in his post game presser after the Pelicans game that when he got that ball um, in in the in the elbow area high a little higher on the floor than that that he he saw that the defense and the referees were all waiting to call him for an offensive foul. <laughs> so, you know, he said that, you know, I, I wanted to stay away from anything that could be perceived as a hook. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but right. basically saying I'm try- I was trying to stay away from anything that could be perceived as a hook or a graph. So I just, they were praying me left. So I just took the left and basically pulled up short and, and slid, you know, he slid around the charge. Uh, and so it was, you know, score one for Cat outsmarting the referees and the opponent by breaking tendency. Did you just say outsmarting? Did you just say Cat outsmarted? The opponents and the refs by breaking tendency and showing that I am superior skill and I'm going to beat you with my skill. Did hell just freeze over? Uh, because I'm saying Cat outsmarted. <laughs> If you go back and watch anything that anyone said about Cat for the past six years, Cat outsmarted is not. You're not going to find it. Well, you know, he's been an easy target, so I don't think he gets enough credit um, for being the player that he is. But I've always said that, you know, say what you want about Cat. He's a walking 25 and 10. (laughs) So Look, look, that's how talented he is because emotional intelligence and his, his sometimes IQ on the court can increase. And so now if you're saying that he's actually growing and learning to how to maneuver his flaws and and make changes to that, um, Kat has got a whole nother level that I, he can unlock. I agree. And I, again, Chris Fitch, he's helping a lot of players remove bad habits. He's helping the franchise remove bad habits. How many times this season have we already said last year the Timberwolves lose that game? Past Timberwolves teams lose that game. Once we've said, oh, here we go again, same old Wolves. One time. Yep. And one time. Maybe if you want to count the first game, but I gave him a first game pass because it's the first game on the road, whatever. Yeah, it's one game. But, you know, uh, we've said quite a few times the Timberwolves lose this game in the past. Yeah. And so, you know, can't make a different decision in the past. So, you know, we're, we're – if we can get that same continued growth out of Jaden and out of Ant, then yeah. One thing, one thing that I you know just make a quick note too is I really like listening to um, Alex Rodriguez when they're when they're interviewing him. Um, just his demeanor on the game. Any you know, obviously a baseball player, but it's very similar mindset to a winning anything. Um, and so the, the stuff that he's saying when they're interviewing him is just very. It's it's foundational championship quality material, and he's he's bringing that over. I feel like he has done a you know a, plays a huge part in bringing this over into this culture, this winning attitude, this winning mindset. This I'm going to be the best that I can be, and this is how we achieve that. Do you think there's? Can you think of something like in particular that he said that, that made you think? I, that, yeah, this whole time I was talking, I was trying to get something <laughs> a spark in there, but I don't. Um, but I mean, yeah, he knows. I, he knows winning, and he knows winning in a difficult environment. He knows how mentally tough. I mean, he won in New York. You got to be really mentally tough. Yeah, to do yeah. So um, I'll, I'm going to try and find a couple of things we'll talk about in the next podcast. But I'm not, I think he's played a big part in this as well. Yeah, book, uh, bookmark that. We'll do it. Um, so 
road 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 trip is done. They get to come home. They ended up four and one. Um, we haven't even talked about and like all, all the, you know they, they they go four and one on a road trip. And, you know, we, we haven't said a whole lot about Anthony Edwards, um, which maybe his excellence is just becoming normative to the point where he has a couple average, you know, pedestrian games, you know, I, following out. I thought that was a really silly foul, but we've kind of already talked about his inability to control himself when it comes to going for steals. When really all he had to do was play square if he had Brandon Ingram right where he wanted him. Right. You know, but. Uh, uh, 23 point, but this is what I want to say real quick and then we can go on from mm-hmm. that. We talked about how did the Timberwolves get to be a top seed. We talked about Ant need to average 10 points a game in the fourth quarter. He needs to be a closer. Multiple times in this road trip, he has put up double digits in the fourth quarter even when he wasn't struck, even when he wasn't playing well. Um, necessarily, well, I shouldn't say wasn't playing well, but wasn't, you know, 35 point explosive Ant, i.e. the Pelicans game. And he's starting to develop into a closer. And then you saw what Cat did. So when you're in a situation in which you can have two closers on the floor, mm-hmm. that makes you a problem. Yeah. And I like the word develop um, that you used with Ant because we have such high expectations for him that, you know, because he's very capable of doing it, we expect it to be done every time. Right. Um, he's also. I don't actually, but I think many fans do. Well, I'm one of them because when I see him touch the rock, I just expect him to do something with I'm old enough to know that a 22 <laughs> year old is going to do 22 year old stuff no matter how good they are. So I like the word develop <laughs> because it gives him time and it gives him grace because if you, you know, you look even at the end of this, you look forward to the end of this year and now he's been closing for an entire year. Right. You look forward to two or three years from now and now he's been closing for two or three years and now it's not even a question. Man, that might be a, a whole another podcast or another day if we go down that rabbit hole because, yes, the, the, the ant the ant future rabbit hole is is bright, but a, a, a good friend of mine, we were talking on Facebook and he said something. He said, I'm not even trying to think about that. I'm just enjoying the moment now. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. It's special. Um, we can keep this one short, but what is if you were the head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves right now, and you had you had the time to practice, right? You guys just won the game. You got two days off, yeah. And you you were running a practice. What are you emphasizing during that practice to get your team keep them mentally prepared to to keep moving forward? Well, of course, it's all guesswork because I don't know firsthand the personalities of the of the players and the coaches, other than what I'm just observing. But I think that teams are doing some things to Ant in terms of how they're loading up on him and sending two in him that I think a good film session can help him and help the team see where they can help him navigate that situation. I mean, you know, let's be honest, in the second Dolan State game, they really made it a point that they were going to do some things to take him away. Phoenix duplicated those things and then, you know, it's a copycat. So the Pelicans did a lot of the same things. Um, and has kept Ant off the foul nine, kept him away from the rim as much. Um, and consequently, he knocks down quite a few threes against the Pelicans. But So I think that's one thing that, that we're addressing. Um, and then we're maybe getting back to looking at or at least having discussion and working on dictating again on defense. Um, some of it is you're on the road, and so you don't have that same home energy that gives you that extra boost, especially when you make a good defensive play or something like that. You have to you know, build that internally um, a lot of games on the road, so that also is going to bring some slippage, a lot of different types of games, like even the two Golden State games were two completely different teams. Um, but 
the identity still of we're dictating teams and pushing them into our size. We're pushing them where we want them to go. Um, the energy and, and we talked about kind of the anticipation and the intensity and focus that it takes to play that way. You're not going to get that through 82 games. You're going to get some slippage. So sometimes you got to go back to what was working for you and remind the players of how they need to um, play physically and, and mentally in terms of your style. So I think they're just getting back to what started off that winning streak um, and and uh, kind of re- readdressing those things. Um, I, I really think you focus more, though, on what you're doing well, especially offensively. Focus on what's working for you. You know that um, the first home game back after a long road trip is, is kind of tough. So you're hoping the fans, I think, you know, Cold Circuit Timberwolves fans, be loud, be in the building for that one. And also, you know, you're going up against a, a Tom Thibodeau team that game plans to take away your strengths and that knows, you know, Cat especially really well um, and that um, has New York playing top defense as well, you know. So you know that you got a rugged, physical, defensive team coming in to play you so that, you know, that game's not going to be easy. So you got to clean up those things and, and, find that energy and that intensity, that dictating, pushing up on the defensive end again um, so that no matter what New York brings defensively, you're using your superior defensive personnel to hold them down down and execute. So you've got, uh, you're running the practice, you've got, you know, some sit down with Ant and just helping him. Well, I think the whole team, but the focus on, you know, running some, some, some examples, some film, you know, some video examples of how they're loading up on Ant and so how everybody else can get off off of that. Because obviously if everybody else is getting off off of that, then it's harder to load up on Ant. I think they already kind of have that solution in the sense that if teams are going to load up on Ant, then we're going to play through Cat and Cat's answering the bell. So at some point in time, they're going to have to then adjust to teams loading up against Cat again and figure out how they're doing that, who they're leaving alone uh, in order to do that while they still give extra attention to Ant and still try to bracket Rudy. That's a great problem that you can cause for your opponent, and everything they come up with, and you're only 12 games into the season, is something that you can come up with a solution to and put in the banks for late season and playoff times when teams are trying to figure out what works best to get shoot. And you already have solutions in the banks against that. That's, so that's, that's what I think that your focus on practice is, is, you know, um, how do we get our defensive edge back and how do we counter some of the new wrinkles that we're seeing already 12 games in? That's a great point. Um, have a lot of adjustments ready for the end of the year. Yeah, because that's what it's all about. You know, if you can win and be prepping for the long term, um, that's how you become a contender. Mm-hmm. Um, we got through everything. Now, except, we, yeah, we got, we got, we got to do my favorite segment right yep. now. Yep. Uh, uh, yo, 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 super producer. How much time we got on? On you got to switch the video. You got to switch the film. We, we, we got ten minutes of record time left. We good. All right. We got, we got about five. We got five minutes. All right, let's do this quick. Let's do this quick. You know it's going to be 10. Let's do this quick. <laughs> concerning trends, hope it never ends, review. So so the plan is to do concerning trends, hope it never ends every other week. And then in, the end week, in between, we're going to review some of the things that we talked about. That's what's up? Yep. I love it. Um, so we'll start with you. Your, your concerning trends for the Wolves were um, rebounding for Jaden McDaniels. Mm-hmm. 
uh, the team's overall turnovers mm-hmm. and their um, ability to win on the road. Yes. Um, and so we've, you know, from what I've gathered, um, the ability to win on the road might have been answered or at least, you know, a, a good. No longer a concerning trend. Good. And, and I said when I mentioned it, okay, they've only played a couple of road games, but they hadn't looked great in them. So, you know, I, I, I put the caveat there with very small sample size. All right. Okay. So we got that one figured out and answered for now. Probably just some that road can be an issue and usually is an issue for most teams throughout the right. year. So, um, but right now they're, they, they found ways to win. Yeah. Uh, Jaden McDaniels rebounding. Still a concerning trend. Uh, we, we talked about it a little earlier tonight and I just want to, you know, go back through the numbers really quickly. Pelicans game. Uh, Wolves lose the rebounding battle 40 to 13. They lose the offensive rebounding third battle 13 to 5. Jaden McDaniels plays 34 minutes, has two rebounds. Two rebounds. Now, and didn't help much either that game. He only had three rebounds. So, two rebounds from Jaden McDaniels, um, in 35 minutes. Yeah. And Jaden McDaniels is 6'10 and very athletic. Yeah. Um, and we talked about, you know, with Rudy and Kat typically in the game for most of that, um, we're not expecting Jaden McDaniels to run into the paint and get all the rebounds, but what you are looking for him is to take a couple of steps in from the three-point line after a contest and get those long rebounds. You got to get to the elbow area. You know, I understand you're guarding on the ball a lot. I understand that you're guarding the other team's best player coming off of screens quite a bit. I understand you have a high contest rate, but the extra effort for a 22, 23-year-old is, um, one, uh, and I think Chris Finch wants him to do this more, more vertical contests and less, you know, leap, leaping forward contests. And then after the contest, you can't turn around and watch and see if the ball is going to go in or not. You've got to either check off or you've got to get to the elbow area, especially when you're contesting those long shots because they're going to lead to long rebounds. You know you're forcing a high percentage of misses. You know your team is forcing a high percentage of misses. You know if you're playing against a team like Golden State that they're going to take a high percentage of three-point shots. And so Golden State out-rebounds them 51 to 47, but they out-rebound them 19 to 9. Jaden McDaniels plays 35 minutes and has zero rebounds. And I would say that out of Golden State's 19 offensive rebounds, at least 10 of them were rebounds that bounced out all the way away from the basket to the elbow area where there's just nobody there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not asking Jaden McDaniels to go sprint in from contesting the shot to three point nine and grab a rebound, but you can't tell me that if you just go to the elbow area after contesting the shot, if you vertical contest, that you're not going to get four rebounds just by the ball bouncing off the rim and landing in your lap. Right. And it, he's not leaking out either. I mean, it's right, like, you're not doing either. Right. So, yeah, so definitely still something that, and and again, that's something that you've been saying for the past two years now. Yes. Uh, you know, and the team overall has done a much better job of rebounding, but it looks like Jaden McDaniels is the kind of the last one to to grasp it. But and there's such a slippage on this road trip overall, of course. But from last year, um, I mean, yes, I mean they've kind of reverted. They, they gave up a lot of long rebounds to Golden State. The Phoenix game, we're just gonna throw out the window. They actually out rebounded Phoenix pretty heavily. Um, they gave up some 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 uh, long rebounds to New Orleans. Yes, I. I, I think you know there's more of a focus on it. But again, you talked about practice, right? And they don't get many in the NBA. That's something that I think they'll point to as an area where we've had slippage and it's slippage in the same old ways. Right. Okay. Um, and then your last concern was turnovers. Um, 
The Wolves are averaging 15 and a half turnovers on the year over the last four games since we talked last. It's down to 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're averaging 13 over the last four, mm-hmm. uh, which was, I think, 10th in the league. Okay. Um, and so they have less turnovers, um, but. I was looking at the top, you know, five, six teams in that turnover ratio, and you're looking at your contenders, yeah. minus a couple outliers. But for the most part, the people that take care of the ball are at the top of the list in that uh, record category. Yeah, and, and that can be a little misleading from the standpoint of, like, you know, a team like Miami, I think, is a team where you look at it and you say they are just incredibly disciplined. That trends. Um, my, I'm willing to bet that a team like Boston is probably has a fairly low turnover ratio. Sure, I think third. Yeah, but they also play a hell of a lot of ISO ball, and so there's not a lot of room for turnovers when you're not passing, and you and and the players taking the shots are elite, right. you know. And so, but I would love to see the Wolves get that down to like ten. I think the first Golden State game they had um, 14 turnovers, and uh, the second Golden State game I think they had. Quite a few more. I think it was nineteen. Yeah, they had, you know. So, so I would like to see them get that down a little bit uh, to like ten a game. You know, yeah. The the bottom line is, you know, Ant and Cat are usually your biggest culprits. Shoutouts to Cat, nine assists, no turnovers right. last night. You know, um, so it's gonna it's still a problem until they fix it. Yep. Um, my three, I only had two concerning trends last two weeks ago or last week because, uh, I was very happy with the way that's okay. <laughs> and, uh, right. So are you still happy even though you, there's some concerning things starting to prop up? I'm or? still happy. There's still Oh, you're happy there in first four after, after 12 games. Right. <laughs> um, my trends were cat or my, my concerns were cat, um, and his, Inconsistency to start the season. Um, I don't. I, I think still concerned about Cat. <laughs> um, I, I think that Cat is a, and I always have felt that he was a, you know, all star. I just was concerned about him finding his way because Ant was doing his thing, and right. was more concerned about Ant finding his role right. um, and where where he needs to be playing. But I think he's figured that out, and like I said, now we just need some games where those two are doing that together and 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 i think that will really show us you know just how far we can go if cat is going to put up 27 points a game against small forwards and power forwards because that's how teams are going to choose to guard them then yes cat will be all nba and if the timbers continue to be in first place we talked about anthony edwards being in the mvp running if cat figures out how to score against those smaller players and his shooting, I think, which will stay consistent because it's just the shooter he is. Um, and he's giving you 27, 28 points a game. Um, yeah, you, you, you're probably looking at a 1C yep. or 2C. I'm, I believe that as well. There, my, my second concern was uh, turnovers, which we just addressed, and I right. think that they're getting a little better, but they still have a ways to go as well. Yeah. Um, and then – our hope it never ends. Real quick, mine was for Mike Conley to never get old. Uh, I still hope that never ends. I don't think, you know, <laughs> we got, talk to me in 70 games and we'll see what he's looking like then. I wish we had it on video, but we were watching the game before we came over here and there was some great Mike Conley stuff that had nothing to do with him scoring a bucket or making a pass or anything like that. And it was just like coach's dream type mm-hmm. stuff. 
Um, and then their winning percentage was another one for me, and that has actually increased. So I can't be mad at that. <laughs> um, that got answered. Three in one week. Do you yep. good? Yep, sure did. Um, and then um, my last uh, hope it never ends was Ant. Um, and Ant has come back down to earth, like you stated, but I'm not definitely not concerned about him. Um, I just think that he's human and he's going to go up and he's going to go down and he's still 22. So we're expecting him to always score 28 to 33 points a game and always have eight, nine assists. I hope it comes and hopefully by the end of this year. Um, but you know, he's 22 years old. So I still hope it never ends. That's fine. That's fine. Is he, yeah, he's fine. And your hope it never ends were? Uh, my hope it never ends were uh, Ant as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense, which we've started to see some slippage. But, again, I I think it's a big ask for to ask a team to play 82 games at the intensity that they were playing defense at. And I think that, you know, any NBA team is going to go through stretches where they give up some points. Do you have the offensive firepower to still win those games when you do? Um, and, uh, so I'm not overly concerned about it, you know, unless finishing in first and defensive rating means the world to you, oh my, or second now or whatever, third, whatever it is. Um, and so I'm not overly concerned about the defense. Um, the field goal percentages stayed basically high. I mean, even in the Suns game where they got drudged, they shot 46% as a team. That's not horrible by any stretch, uh, as a team. Um, so they, they were dreadful from three point man, but that's what happens when you have no legs who you've been chasing their warriors around San Francisco for two straight <laughs> games. Um, so, um, you don't win games. If the field goal percentage doesn't even out by the end of a game, you don't win games. If your defense doesn't show up at some point in time during a game. And so, yeah, I think that, uh, we'll see how this next home stand goes. Okay. I think you're at one more. No, it was at defense and the field goal percentage. Oh, field goal percentage. Yeah, okay, that was a so, Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we'll revisit that next week and find three more concerns and three more hope it never ends, and uh, we'll follow that up the next week, and hopefully all of them have been met, and the Wolves are still at the number one seed in the West, uh, looking the way that they are, continuing to find ways to win. I, I tell you what, if we talked about it. You're going to get a situation where – if you can have two seven-game winning streaks and play 500 the rest of the season, you're going to finish the season 14 games over 500 in the West. That's a one, two, or three seed, you know, uh, possibly, depending on how it all shakes out. Um, Phoenix is going to get hot. Um, Clippers are going to get hot. Denver is going to be Denver. You know, even if Memphis is out of it by the time John Morant comes back, you're going to have to play them with John Morant when he comes back. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's not going to get any easier. Nope. Um, well, that's it for this week. Man, the Coach in the Culture podcast. I would again like to thank the Dream Shop uh, for allowing us to use this wonderful space. Uh, all African-American made art and jewelry and clothing um, over on 37th and Fremont. Come spend your money. Support Markella and the Dream Shop. Beautiful paintings in here. Beautiful artwork. Uh, nice clothing. Uh, so, and uh, I'd like to say thank you to super producer Lloyd Leon Coop. Big ups to him. Uh, Lance Gardner, not only proprietor of Yes Trees, but now uh, co host of the Coach in the Culture, aka Coach Frank and Son I like podcast. I like to see y'all next week. Man, peace. <laughs>